Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today we're going to be talking about waist trainers, watches, and walking. And um, I'm really excited to talk about a few of these topics with you. But I did want to say I just really got home off of a vacation, a six-day vacation. We went to Florida. We had so much fun. I always get questions when I go on vacation, like, how did you track that? Well, I, I don't track. I eat mindfully. I, I respect my body. I choose foods that I want to eat. They look good. Um, and I usually will eat half of it. Uh, a lot of times me and my husband actually will split plates too on vacation because guys, for those of you who live in America, you get this. Serving sizes are insane. They are insane. They are so big. We don't eat out a lot. As a family, we don't eat out a lot. And I was watching them bring plates over to my girls and to my almost three-year-old son. And I was just like, that is insane. That serving size is for an adult, a 200-pound adult. And they never eat all of it. My kids never do. And so I feel like so much of it is wasted. So anyways, we will actually split a lot of meals as a family because I feel like serving sizes are massive here. And uh, we always um, will, so we'll split something. Me and my husband will split something. I'll have my girls split something and then we'll get a dessert. So it's like we eat until satisfied, but not stuffed, right? So we respect our bodies. I think that that's really important. So I don't track. I, you know, I'm not planning on stepping up on stage. And so unless somebody has a goal like that, then I really think that vacations should be treated like vacations and that you should enjoy. And what I preach is more of a lifestyle. And so when you go on vacation, I think you should be able to relax even more around food while respecting your body. I think that's really important. Do I work out on vacations? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It honestly just depends. And it depends too on my motivation. You know, why do you, and, and this is something that I talk to my clients a lot about, why do you want to work out? Do you want to out of respect and love for your body? And will it fit in comfortably with what your family is doing? Because the point of a vacation is to build connections, at least for me. The point of it is to build on the already strong connections I try to have daily with my family. And it's also to relax and enjoy myself. And so I feel like if workouts can happen within that frame and out of a love and respect for my body, then that's great. But there are some times like when I, when I flew to, to Italy with my family, I wasn't going to stress about working out. I was just going to enjoy the week in Italy. And so there are sometimes the, the opposite effect of people will try to work out out of fear, out of fear of, well, I'll lose all my progress. Okay. If, if you can really destroy all of your progress in six days that you have over the entire year worked for, then you actually haven't made that much progress because that's just, it can't be done. So that's just fear. And that fear really isn't based off of reality. It's more based off of feelings. 
Now, some people are like, but I'm afraid that I'm going to lose muscle. Well, you may feel a slight depletion in them, but not of contractile tissue. Six days, even two weeks, you may feel a depletion. It's like a sarcoplasmic depletion. I've talked about this before, where it's just glucose is is lower. Glycogen stores, I should say, are just lower because you haven't been using in the in the same way as you normally do. You get back home, you get back to the gym, start lifting. You haven't you haven't lost anything. In fact, it's interesting because this vacation I did train just a little bit. It was only like a, a twenty minute lift three times. We had a gym that was close by. I wake up bright and early. I just do. I, I My whole family's asleep. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go to the gym for 20 minutes and come back because they had one just um, underneath us in the hotel that I was staying at. So it didn't get in the way of anything. I went in, just kind of got a little pump, felt good, wasn't pushing for any PRs, just kind of using my muscles, having fun with my um, figuring out what can I do with this equipment this week. You know, I kind of threw my plan out the window because I didn't have all the equipment that I normally do. And so I just was like, okay, what, what, what sounds fun for me? And what's awesome is I came back and this week I added 10 pounds to my no touch deadlift. That's a huge increase, mind you. But I just came back feeling so refreshed, so good. So did I lose muscle and strength in that week? No, I didn't. And I really didn't have any equipment that I could really work my legs either. There was a leg extension machine and hamstring curl in one of them. And um, like, but they didn't even have dumbbells or, or bars or anything like that. There was a pulley system that had a bar attached, um, but it was very awkward. I could use it for a little bit of hamstring. A straight leg deadlift kind of thing, but even then it wasn't it wasn't very good. So coming back really after not working my legs for a week substantially, and to, to add ten pounds, that's awesome. I'll take it. That was exciting. So I just kind of want to reiterate things that I've talked about before on this podcast. Um, you know, the whys to why we do things really do matter. If we do things out of love and respect, there's a whole other feeling behind it. When we do things out of fear, uh, it just drives up stress. Um, there's a whole other negative feeling, right? So when I choose to work out, when I go on vacation, it's only if it doesn't interfere with my family. And there are some times where I'm just like, you know, no, I'm not going to work out at all this week. And that's okay. I know I'm going to get back to the gym next week because this is a lifestyle for me. And a lot of times, just like it did this time, a lot of times when I get back to it, I just come back so refreshed and I make some great jumps in some of my lifts. It's great. It's great. I have used even um, those breaks with clients. I've done deload weeks. It's like, okay, you know you're going on vacation. Let's use it as a deload and a complete deload. Deload, you don't have to go to the gym during a deload. You can just skip the gym for an entire week and it's going to deload your system. So you don't have to go. So you can just schedule them in. And sometimes just telling my clients, 
this is a scheduled deload, it just relieves them. I cannot emphasize this enough. So much of health and fitness is in our head. And just me telling them, you know, I, I didn't find out until three weeks ago that we're doing, or two weeks ago that you're even going on vacation. But you know what? Yeah, let's use, let's use this as a deload. You don't even have to go to the gym. And it just whoosh, takes that pressure away. They enjoy their family. They come back. They hit it hard. They're like, oh, that felt so good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So that's just kind of another approach that I'll take. Okay, let's dive into this. Waist trainers. A lot of promises made about waist trainers, guys. In fact, I, I wish I could do like a slideshow on this one because some of the advertisements for waist trainers are so comical to me. But the main one that people latch onto is that they are going to reduce body fat. So you, you work out in them and, and it increases your core temperature or increases your, the temperature of your, your abdominals and, and you take it off and bam, you've lost all this weight. So waist trainers are not going to reduce body fat in your stomach. I want you just to take a moment to let that one seep down deep into your soul, <laughs> into your fitness soul, okay? I don't care if the influencer with the best body in the world uses it and swears by it. Uh, that is a, totally based off of that person's feelings and not science. Okay, so uh, sometimes I'll get messages by people saying, but so-and-so uses it. So-and-so has a great body. Yes. And uh, correlation is not causation. And just because she uses a waist trainer does not mean that that's why she has this stomach that she has. Okay, there's so much more going into it than that. So there are tons of claims about waist trainers. And the truth is that it is just, they're not true. What somebody is actually experiencing is a loss in water weight. That's it. You're not sweating out fat. I'm sorry. So where I think people get confused on this is that when we do get into an energy deficit, your body does have to dispose of that body fat somehow, somewhere, right? And so it does. And it disposes of it through a series of complicated metabolic pathways. But the byproducts of fat metabolism leaving your body, well, it leaves through water, through your skin when you sweat, and your kidneys when you urinate. It leaves through carbon dioxide, through your lungs when you breathe out, right? So this is how it leaves your body. So I feel like a lot of people have taken, oh, sweat then equals body fat coming out of you. So if I sweat, then that means I'm dropping body fat. But the, there's a problem. I'm sure you guys have all seen this problem before at the gym. There's people, a lot of people at the gym who sweat a lot and they don't look any different next week or the week after or the week after or a year later. So chasing the sweat doesn't mean that you're losing body fat. You still have to be in an energy deficit. And if you're not, then you're just, you're just experiencing a loss of water weight. So don't be confused by that. Just sweating isn't going to induce weight loss or fat loss. It may weight loss, right? Because water weighs, but it doesn't induce, induce fat loss, which is different. So you still need to be in that 
energy deficit for that to happen. Now, sometimes when we wear them and we pull them off, we are going to feel a little bit leaner because we have lost some water weight there. Unfortunately, as soon as you rehydrate, everything goes back. You go back feeling how you did before. <laughs> because once again, you did not dro drop body fat. You just dropped water weight. Now, in addition to not losing weight, let's talk about some other unfortunate side effects that there are with it. So you are actually restricting the rib cage to a narrower shape. Um, and that reduces lung capacity. Think about that. Reduces lung capacity 30 to 60%. So you are, well, maybe not you, but, but people will put these waist trainers on. And then I see it all the time. They'll do like um, leg workouts, like a leg day with this waist trainer on. You're reducing your capacity to breathe by 30 to 60%. That is going to hinder you, which is probably why, one of the reasons why it causes an increase in fatigue and, and not a good way. And it actually it decreases or reduces your work output. So, so far, no pros here to wearing one. Well, it can also cause skin rashes, numbness of the lower limbs, um, damage to internal organs when worn way too long, as well as fainting in the gym. So probably a bad idea. Okay. So this is great though. This is great. You know, we want to, we want to put our money towards things that are going to work. So I just saved you some money there. Awesome. Watches. Let's talk about watches now. Uh, it's funny because they're called smart watches, but when it comes to a few things, they are kind of stupid. So we do need to remember that. When it comes to tracking calories burned, and I'm going to share the research on this one in the, in the show notes, because this is really fascinating. Guys, it overestimates. They tend to overestimate calories burned during workouts. 28 to 93%. Um, that's kind of a big deal. So I, there's the kind of a trend on social media to take a picture of how many calories you burned on your watch and post it. Be like, wow, look at what I did. Hmm. So now we're finding out that that's overestimated by 28 to 93%. That means if your watch said that you burned a thousand calories, guys, you probably burned closer to maybe 500, 700. So we don't go by calories burned on our watch. Okay. When we are figuring out our maintenance, Typically, like if you use a maintenance, uh, a TDEE calculator to find out what your maintenance calories are or what your cut calories should be kind of thing, we don't make adjustments to that based off of what our watch says throughout the week. When we're figuring it out, it, the calculators we use or your coach, if you're, if you're coaching, they will ask you questions where they will figure out your, your basic activity level throughout the week. And your maintenance includes that activity level. So never change it based off of the watch. Also, on a side note, in my fitness pal, a lot of times our watches will link up to it. And my fitness pal, if you haven't changed the setting, it will actually increase calories to eat based off of misinformation really from your watch. 
So make sure that you either unlink that. I just unlinked my watch. My fitness pal doesn't need to know anything about my watch. But what, so then what are watches good for? Well, I have had a Fitbit now for five years that I absolutely love. And I use it for telling time. <laughs> I know. I know. That's weird, right? But I do. I use it for telling time. I will actually use it though for tracking my sleep, not to get obsessive. Information, we should never get obsessive about the information. We should be wise about it. So it's just kind of, I take note on my sleep. How much sleep am I getting? And then when I notice, okay, my sleep is going down. Well, that's why I'm feel a lot more ornery. That's why I'm hungrier throughout the day. It's actually not because I need more calories. It's because when sleep, a reduction in sleep will influence hormones and the hormones will actually send more hunger signals. So this is why when you are in a calorie deficit, one of the most powerful tools you have is actually to get enough sleep because then you won't feel as hungry. And it's also going to help you recover better from your workouts too. So you're going to feel your best. If you have to do what I have to do, which is I have to turn off my phone now at seven o'clock. I just have to. I have to turn it off. And I put it on airplane mode, set it by my bed at seven o'clock. So I'm not looking at it. I'm not tempted to lay down in bed and watch a movie. I just, I just, I have to really cut that off and I have to make sure that I get to bed at a good time, especially because I get up at 4.30 in the morning. So I have to be in bed closing my eyes at nine. My sleep is very, very precious to me. So I do monitor it. And sometimes I'll notice, okay, my sleep is being like, what's going on? I'm not getting enough sleep. Okay. Let's think back on how well am I preparing for sleep? Am I, are my kids, am I putting my kids down too late? Am I trying to stay up and watch a show? or read a book or something like that, and it's going to cut into my sleep. And so it's good. It's a good way to just kind of monitor what's going on. I do use it for my, it's funny because in my app, in my training app, for those of you who use that, I include in there the rest times. And there is a clock in there that you can click on and it counts down. You know, if, if there's a minute rest time, it's going to count it down for you. I actually don't like it. I use my watch. So that's another thing I use my watch for. Uh, steps. Um, and this kind of leads us into our next discussion of walking. So I do track my steps, but once again, not in an obsessive way, just in a, I'm going to be cognitively aware of my daily movement. I think that that's really important, especially when you are in a calorie deficit your daily movement tends to turn, to go down. Your body feels like it's in an energy deficit. So how can it, how can it influence the energy out to be more at maintenance? Well, it slows you down. If you're a hand stalker, I've talked about this a million times, you'll stop moving your hands as much. You'll stop walking as much. You'll stop standing as much. You'll stop. If, if you are like, some people will sit and their feet will kind of, they'll, they'll bounce. I do, I do that too. In a calorie deficit, that doesn't happen. So your body finds ways to kind of slow itself down. And so in a calorie deficit, I'm a little bit more aware of, 
okay, I want to make sure that I'm getting, um, me personally, I am just an active person. I just love moving. And I usually get about 12,000 steps a day. So once again, I don't obsess. I just use it to see my overall movement. Let's talk about what do I suggest for my clients? So if we can make sure we're getting about 8,000 steps a day, that will help us keep our energy or keep our daily energy expenditure up. It does appear that if we get around 8,000 steps, we can regulate our appetite a bit more too. Isn't that interesting? We have a few different studies showing that moving less doesn't actually get us eating any less. So going below the sedentary zone only decreases energy out, but does not decrease energy in. And in this modern world of high calorie dense foods, that can really add up. So if we get around 8,000 steps, then our in and out energy seems to be a bit more lined up. So that's why I tell most people minimum 8,000 steps. But what's cool is improving baseline steps by 25% tends to help improve a few things. Quality of sleep, lower blood pressure, lower body fat, and increase your cardiorespiratory ability and actually help in recovery better from exercises too. So why would somebody shoot then for 12,000, right? I tend to hit around 12,000 a day. Why would I encourage that maybe over 8,000? It looks like studies point to those that are around 12,000 a day are those that tend to maintain their weight loss. And in fact, some studies point to maintaining that high movement is a great habit that leads to long-term weight loss and maintaining it. So the higher daily movement around 12,000 steps can actually increase our likelihood of losing weight and maintaining it. We are maintaining that healthy, active lifestyle. And so it becomes a lot easier for us to maintain the weight that we've lost. One recent study showed that increasing steps from 7,500, this is so good, from 7,500 to 12,000, that the subjects were able to lose around 7% body fat. And what's crazy about this, guys, is there was no nutritional intervention with this. Wow, that's awesome. So then how do we do this? We live in such a sedentary culture, right? We sit at our computers all day, in front of screens all day. We're always looking for ways to sit. Sometimes people will say things like, oh, park in the back of the parking lot and walk in. (laughs) Well, maybe that was influential back in the day when we weren't ordering everything in. But in the days of Amazon Prime orders and new grocery store all of its delivery now. Our fast food is even delivered to our door, guys. It's insane. But our world has really changed. So the opportunities to be sedentary are massive 
we have to sacrifice. I really think that this is the key. We have to make sacrifices to establish new habits and adopt a lifestyle where we just move more. So we moms, I really believe this, do need to set examples to our children that we move. We are movers. What we don't use, we lose. We need to move our bodies. Use our bodies more than just for consuming. We have on so many levels turned into massive consumers, massive consumers of food, of entertainment. We just sit there and can so easily consume, consume, consume. So we have to make sacrifices. Everybody wants answers and solutions that require no sacrifice. But guess what? All the real answers are going to require hard changes in lifestyle for many people. You cannot keep your current lifestyle of no movement and expect anything really to change. That's insane. So maybe for this, is, and these are just ideas. Sometimes when I throw out these, I, on Instagram once, I threw out some ideas and I had a woman write me. She was very upset and she was like, well, those are stupid. <laughs> and, and I'm okay with that. Maybe they were for her. She's like, those are stupid. I would lose my job if I did that. Well, obviously let's, let's, let's think through things. I'm just giving ideas and you pick and choose what may help you and what may work for you. And uh, clearly don't do the things that are going to get you fired. So everybody's situation is so different. I've worked with clients where we've had to use their 30 minute lunch break. They eat for 10 minutes and then do a walk for 20. They go up and down the stairs. They go outside. I have clients who will actually bring sneakers to put on during their breaks so that they can walk around and they listen to their favorite podcast. What's amazing about this is they, they've reported not only an increase of steps, but they come back reporting. It's amazing how when they go back to work, they're truly refreshed. They come back with more energy, more clarity of thought to even work better. Some people can't do that though. Some people will have to make the sacrifice of just waking up 20 to 30 minutes earlier, going for a walk, um, getting a cheap treadmill at home. There are some pretty cheap ones that can be stored under couches. You can pull them out, walk while you're watching your favorite show. Your whole family's going to sit down and watch a show. You pull out your treadmill and you walk while you watch it. Or you just wake up earlier and you go for a walk. After noon, after my homeschool day with my kids is over, we're going to go to the park or we're going to go to the mountains in our backyard. I live in American Fork in Utah and my backyard are the most gorgeous mountains in the world. I love them. And we're going to move. I'm going to show them that we move our bodies. And it doesn't have to be called working out. We just move because that's what we do. Like what I said, what we don't use, we lose. And so I'm going to show them that there's joy in movement and using our bodies. You know, I work out because at the end of the day, what it gives me is strength 
and confidence and keeps me healthy and all of those things I bring into my family and I make my family better because of it. So I love the healthy lifestyle that I've created. So my schedule during the summer was very different than what it is right now. My schedule was in the summer was I wake up before everybody else at five o'clock in the morning. I do my 20 minute walk. I use that time to actually do a lot of things. I schedule out my day. I talk with God. I, I find that first thing in the morning, my head is so clear and I'll, I'll talk to him about what my day is going to look like. How can I get his help? I use it as a time for gratitude. I list all the things that I'm grateful for. Or I get lost in a book or a podcast. Waking up early for me has become a joy. Now, if you had told me in college that I would be an early morning person, I would have told you hell will freeze over first. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Um, isn't it amazing how we put ourselves in these boxes? We say, well, I'm not a morning person. Okay, well, you have just labeled yourself. Labels are extremely hard to peel off ourselves once we super glue them on. They're really hard. The most beautiful thing I've ever learned in life is that I choose who I am and what I am. I choose. The brain is so malleable. Waking up early for me has become one of my greatest joys and a sacred time for me. I'll do post-dinner walks with my family or alone. If you have a dog, make sure that you're getting out and walking your dog. Take your children for walks. Get out more. You know, when I, when I go to the park with my kids, I play on the playground with them. I move. I use my body. You know, there are times when I sit. There's nothing wrong with that if you choose to do that. But I like to play with them. I like to I like walking and sprinting and 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 playing new games with them and and chasing them around and making it a time of connection. It it's so fascinating to me that if we want to increase our energy, oftentimes, more than often, the answer is actually move more. We think, oh, I don't have very much energy. I'm going to lay down on the couch and do nothing. And it just builds momentum of nothing, of no energy. But you start moving and it increases that momentum of movement. You move more in life. In fact, in my pregnancy and in a lot of my clients' pregnancies, obviously this varies greatly, but one of the things that helped me the most was me just getting to the gym and moving. I felt like crap. I didn't want to, especially that first trimester, right? But if I knew if I can just put on my clothes and get to the gym and start moving, the energy levels would always skyrocket. And my clients, I have never had a pregnant client who did not say the same exact thing. It is the one hour of the day where I have the most energy. And even afterwards, they feel so much better. Obviously, that just depends on, on the person, the situation. But, but personally, I've never, and I've helped dozens of pregnant women through their pregnancy, staying fit and active and focusing on the right things. And that is one thing I'm always amazed about is how 
the days where they don't train, they have the lowest energy. The days that they train and they move, they have the highest energy. So even when they weren't training, we would always try to get in their walks. Even if they felt like crap, if as long as they could get moving, drink some water with some electrolytes in it and get moving and it would always help them feel so much better. Electrolytes are huge during pregnancy. That is one thing that I really help my clients supplement on when they're pregnant. I always want to help my clients doing some sort of electrolyte supplement because they really does help. But my pregnant clients are always the ones where it's like, that is huge for them. So in the notes of this episode, I'll actually share what supplements I do use for that. And in pregnancy and without being pregnant, I do the same exact thing. It's just one serving a day. So I'll share more of that in the link to where you can get that on Amazon. But hopefully this podcast has helped you understand a few things. Understand watches, the appropriate role that they should have in fitness and health. Um, walking, the power of walking. I cannot tell you enough. I always say weightlifting and walking are the two most powerful tools that I feel like for so many people are overlooked, especially walking is so overlooked. No, it has to be stairs. It has to be some high intensity thing. It's like, you know, no, it actually doesn't. It actually doesn't. And for me personally, I don't necessarily include walking into exercise, although it could be included. I personally don't call it that. I do it so much because I feel like it just helps my soul, my soul, my body. It just, it does. It just helps my soul. I enjoy it so much to just get out and walk. And then I also hope that you've learned a little something about waist trainers and why you'll never see me use one. And why I don't personally suggest that any of my clients use them either. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions, you can always shoot me a DM on Instagram. You can follow me there at Lifting Lindsay. If you have any questions about my coaching or my training app where I offer optimized training programs for your goals, you can go to my website, liftinglindsay.com.